Hey, welcome to Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift, and I am not the perfect dad, but every day I am trying to be better. Thank you so much for being with me. Last week, we dealt with your kids' mental health. I talked about the one thing that I believe we as dads can do to help improve our kids' mental health, and that was having strong and meaningful communication in the home. This week, I want to focus a little more on our mental health. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. I'm not going to dive into nuances on the subject, but I am a dad, and I know what it's like to be a dad. I know some of the tendencies and the proclivities that we have as fathers. So I want to talk to you today about the thoughts that we have sometimes, because there are things that happen in life that cause us to look at ourselves and to criticize ourselves, and we get to the conclusion that we are inadequate, that we are not qualified to be a dad, and that can be dangerous. The second thing that I want to talk about is at least one parameter that you can establish when you are thinking critically of yourself. And the last thing is I want you to know why you are always enough. I want that to be grounded in your mind today. I want you to know the reason why, regardless of how you might feel about yourself, there's a reason that you are always enough. So it's been said that we are our own worst critics. You are your own worst critic. And I think that's entirely true. I mean, with the random exception of someone who's just really out to get you and they hold you to a standard above perfection and they just want to fire you, (laughs) outside of that, you are your own worst critic. And the reason for that is you have context that nobody else has. You know what is going through your mind when you're performing whatever task it might be or whatever it is that you're doing. You know yourself. You know when you get lucky. You might do something and someone's like, that was incredible, and it had nothing to do with you. You just got lucky. It's not talent. It's not skill. It's not preparation. You just had a good streak of luck. And sometimes you do something and you don't think you did a great job. I struggle big time with this. If I do something and it did not go the way that I wanted it to go. I messed up on something I didn't want to mess up on or said something I didn't intend to say, whatever it might be. For me, it's typically speaking arrangements. If it doesn't go the way that I wanted it to go or that I prepared for it to go, it bothers me regardless of what other people might say. I have done things where Several people have come up to me afterward, and they have told me, Matt, it was so good. What you said was so great. We really valued and appreciate everything. And all I can think about is, well, I forgot this. <laughs> and because I forgot that, it's spoiled. It's ruined in my mind, because that's how hard I am on myself. And it's not just that I am that way. Anyone who is a person typically is this way. You judge yourself because you know yourself like no one else. You know when you do something and you don't prepare for it, and other people still think, oh, this was good. You know what it's like because you have the insight that nobody else has. And because you have that information, because you have full 
context. You're a tough critic on yourself. And the problem with that is if we have no parameters or proper perspective in place, we can really begin to mess ourselves up. Because what happens is, let's take it in the role of fatherhood. Let's say we say something that we're not supposed to say, that we should not have said to our kid. You can beat yourself up about that. You can just go on and on about, I shouldn't have done that. And the reason I did is because of this. And had I not done something you know, last week, I probably would have not been in the mental state that caused me to do this. And that wouldn't have happened. You just go down this rabbit trail of thought about all these things that you could have, should have, would have, didn't or did do. And you go down that rabbit trail. And then you begin to go down the same rabbit trail in a futuristic position where, you know what, I'm just not cut out for this. I'm not good at being a dad. I am inadequate. I am less than. I cannot do this. And that becomes really problematic really fast because it's like the old aphorism goes, as you think you are. You think that you're not cut out to be a dad. You think you're inadequate. So you begin to live as if you are not cut out to be a dad, as if you are inadequate. And the bad thing, and this is not just with men as dads, but this is across the board. People tend to stray away from the things that cause them to feel inadequate. We don't like things that don't make us feel good. So we attempt to stay away from those things. And when you feel less than in a particular place, you avoid that place. You avoid that responsibility because you don't think you're going to do it. You think you're just going to mess up again and again, and you're going to feel worse and worse about yourself. And we don't like feeling bad about ourselves. We want to feel good. We want to do things where we are vivified. We have this new life inside of us and we're pumped. And you know what I mean? You do something and you do well and you're just excited. It happens to all of us. And it's a great feeling. And that's the sensation that we often chase. But the reality is when those mistakes come and those failures come and that mindset of, I am not good at this, when that is present, that should not cause us to flee from those circumstances. We can't be afraid of opposition. We cannot be afraid of failure. This is the context when that saying actually makes sense, that being when you start from scratch, or you're not starting from scratch when you start over, you're starting from experience. So as a dad, you make the mistake, okay, that's that is what it is. I'm still a dad. I'm going to strive to be a better dad every day. So as I'm doing this, when I have the chance to do better, I'm going to try and do better. And maybe you fail again. Maybe you have a temper issue. I understand that that's a really challenging thing for men to overcome. If you lose your temper time and time again, the more you are self-aware of, I have a temper problem. I have a struggle with my anger. The more that you are self-aware of your struggles and the more that you think about it, the more likely you are to catch yourself, to prevent yourself from doing that. Now, I'm not going to go down 
how to improve on all those things. I'm just talking about when you make mistakes and you make failures, it's very easy for you to feel inadequate. And when you feel inadequate, you stray away from whatever it is that makes you feel that way. And that's awful when it is pertaining to you as a dad. When you run from your role as the father, you are doing tremendous harm to your kids and ultimately to your family as a unit because your kids need you. Your kids need you to communicate with them. And if you feel like you're a failure when it comes to communication, so you just give up, you're not just giving up on communicating. You were giving up on your kids. You were giving up on your family because of how you feel. And I know it's tough sometimes to swallow when you are in this place of, I am less than, but that response is a selfish response. It's not considering everyone else that's involved, because when you're a dad, it's not just a party of one. It is you, it's your wife, it's your kids, it's the family. It's not just about you. So you can't really have this self-pity party and be a good dad. If you have parameters in place that help you when you criticize yourself, then this isn't a big deal. But you cannot get to the point where when you feel inadequate, that you give up because you don't like you don't like feeling inadequate. You don't want to feel inadequate anymore. So you just run away from the role of fatherhood. You can't do that. Now, it's okay to criticize yourself. That's not a bad thing to do. I started talking about doing the challenging things, doing the difficult things. This is what your self-criticism should drive you to do. You should be able to look at yourself, to look deep and inwardly at yourself and see the darkness and see the challenges. And you should be able to address them. You should be able to have that conversation, whether it is with God or internally with yourself. You should be able to have that conversation where you address your struggles, where you address your weaknesses. By doing that, you grow and you develop. You become something that you are not right now. You become something that is better. And as you improve as an individual, it is only going to benefit those around you, including your kids, including your family. So it's okay, and it is, honestly, it is a good practice to criticize yourself. I know we have this negative connotation that's associated with criticism, the reality is, if you have parameters and you do it from a good perspective, criticism is not bad. Critiquing things, thinking critically of something is not bad. It's just looking at something, in this case, looking at yourself and being honest. Just being real. Expressing how you truly feel about something that you do, a way that you think whatever your prerogative may be that you think is an issue, criticism allows you to address it. It points out the culprit, and then it gives you an opportunity to change. So criticism is not bad, but what we have to be careful of is setting the parameter for when we criticize ourselves. 
So let me tell you, let me tell you this story because the parameter that we set in place for how we criticize ourselves is attached to the reason why you are always enough as a dad. So my wife and I took the kids to a park a while back for whatever reason. I think it was either a Saturday or a Sunday, and we just had a little extra time to spare, and the kids love going to the park. So we drove around. Believe it or not, the first park we went to wasn't an option. I'm sure you can relate to, (laughs) we're going to try and do something fun. Oh, we can't do that. So we ended up at another park that I had thought of, and they didn't have a parking lot, so you park on the street. And when we got there, there was one other car, and my wife was looking at the car, and she was wondering what the guy in the driver's seat was doing, and tried not to pay too much attention to it. Uh, noticed that there was a man in the driver's seat, there was a woman in the passenger seat, and there were two girls outside of the car. One of the girls was kind of throwing a fit, and she was laying on the grass on the passenger side, and the other little girl was just kind of standing there. So rally up the kids, we get to the playground, and we're playing. A few minutes after we get there and start playing, one of the girls, the oldest girl, who was probably, in my estimation, six to seven, she shows up, and she is very timid, very shy, doesn't speak, but she tries to get close, as if, you know, I'm in your vicinity, I'd, I would like to play, and we caught on, so I encouraged the kids to play with her, and they started kind of playing, and she kind of followed along, and they were getting along together. She still wasn't talking, but they were getting along. So that happened for probably 10, 15 minutes or so, and sometime after that, the man who was in the passenger seat of the car started running up to the playground, and he had the other little girl with him, and as soon as he got to the playground, the girl who was timid and shy and who didn't speak, even though she was playing with our kids, just transformed into an entirely different little girl. She smiled. She started talking. She started yelling in excitement because it was her dad. Her dad was the one in the car. And as soon as he got to the playground, I mean, he was involved. I try and be involved with the kids, and sometimes I'm tired and I'm just there to kind of supervise, make sure no one does anything too daring on the playground. But he was involved. He was running around, he was playing, he was throwing them up in the air, he was making up games, and they loved it. They were having such a blast. And there was a moment, probably 20 minutes into that, where he kind of started jogging back to the car. He said he was tired, and the little girl just broke down again, and then the, little, the, the youngest girl broke down, and the other girl who was playing with my kids before she just morphed right back into that shy, timid, low-countenance little girl. Fortunately for them, he did come back in a few minutes and played with them again, and eventually we left shortly after that. But we realized something when we got back to the car. That little girl who was laying on the grass next to the car, throwing a fit, wasn't just having an attitude or throwing a tantrum. She was crying because she wanted her dad to come out and play with her on the playground. And it was clear to me, I've had people in my family who have died from drugs. It was clear to me that 
there was a little more than alcohol involved. And there were, he was under an influence, and his, I'm assuming it's his wife, the mother of the children, something was off, and I tried to interact at one point with him, and I could tell something was off. But even drugged out, under an influence, his girls were so excited when he played with them. Here's the parameter that you need to set. Whenever you're thinking harshly about yourself, critically about yourself, your actions, your motives, remember that you were never inadequate as a dad because in the eyes of your children, you are always enough. That's the parameter that you need to keep in place because that's the reason why you are always enough. Because it's not about your perspective. You should look at yourself and you should try to improve, but you should never allow yourself to get to a place where you feel that you are not enough for your kids because you're their entire world. It's not that your kids simply need you because they do. Kids need their dads. They need their moms. They need a family, a family that is whole. And dad, you're a part of that equation. Kids need you. But the incredible thing about kids is that they want you to. It's not just out of necessity. It's out of desire that your kids want you to be a part of their life. They want you to play with them. They want you to have conversations with them. They want you to be silly. They want you to be involved. They want you to help them even when they're older. They still want you to have conversations, to call them, to be a part of what they're doing, to be interested in what they're doing, to lend that fatherly advice that you are so willing to give at any point. Your kids still want that because they still want you throughout the entire course of their life. Kids want their fathers. I find it so interesting that children who are adopted, at some point in their life, they make it a quest to go out and find their biological parents. It doesn't matter why they were put up for adoption, whether it was out of we want a better life for this child, or we just can't do this right now. It doesn't matter the reason. They still want to find their biological parents. There is something innate in us, this innate connection that we have to our source. And we can't get rid of that. That connection is always there. Your kids share this connection with you. You are their dad. You are everything that they need, and they just want you. So here's the advice that I want to give you. I want you to see yourself through their eyes. You can see your mistakes through your eyes. You can see your faults and failures, and you can work out how to improve, how to grow, how to develop, how to change for the good. You can do that. But when it comes to you as a whole, are you cut out for the job? Can you actually be a good dad? Can you actually make a difference? Can you actually lead your family? Can you be what they need? 
that part's not up to you. That part is up to your kids. And your kids have already answered that question. And they'll answer it the same way every day that they live. You are always enough. Because they want you. They need you. They want to be involved in your life, and they want you involved in theirs. And that's why you are always enough. Because your kids say so. So remember that. Aim to grow. Critique yourself. Challenge yourself. Be better every day. But remember, you're never inadequate. You were never less than. You were never to a point where your kids say, you know what, I'd I'd rather find somebody else. They always want you. And they need you. So remember, you are always enough. So go out and be the dad that they need. This is Fathering Our Future, the podcast for dads. I'm Anthony Vandegrift. Thank you for being with me, and I hope you'll join me next time.